Hey guys, what's brewing? Welcome back to Giant Waffle. I'm so excited for this episode as it's in honour of International Women's Day, which is on the 8th of March. This year's theme is Choose to Challenge, which means celebrate women's achievements, raise awareness against bias and take action for equality. As part of this, we decided to bring you nine stories of inspirational South Asian women who have made an impact on the world today by smashing through glass ceilings or fighting for women's rights from the 19th century onwards. Dej, do you want to start us off? I can start you off, but I'm going even pre-19th century here. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, I am also really excited because, you know what, researching into these women has just been inspirational in itself. It's been great to see what women did and the, the path that they paved for us uh, today. So I'm going to start with um, someone called Devi Ahilyabai Holker. Um, for those of you who are as Indian as me, <laughs> Sony TV, 7pm. Oh yes, I love that show. <laughs> so um, Ahilya Bai's um, programme is currently airing on Sony TV and you know what, it made me look into her and the more and more I um, read up on her, it was just wonderful. So it may be a bit of a spoiler alert if you are watching the programme, but it's great to understand and know what she did. So um, Ahilya Bai was um, married, she was from a very poor family, she was married into uh, a royal family and her, after the death of her husband, her father-in-law also passed away 12 years after that and she became the queen of the place called Malva. So Malva at the moment, um, it falls into kind of the western Madhya Pradesh and a southern east kind of Rajasthan, so kind of north India. And under her capital, um, under her reign rather, she led a real successful city and and you know everyone remembered her for her not only her courage but also the way that she empathized with people and I think even when you're watching the program you can see that right I think Buddha, you'll probably agree with me you know she stand, takes a stand and is so logical about things that otherwise people would just be like no especially in like well, she was born in 1725 and back in that day I'll, I'll give you one example so her best friend her, her best friend's husband passes away and she becomes a widow and, and she's she, quite young as well right it's yeah. not even like she's old or anything yeah absolutely she's like nine or ten years old and um her Ahilya Bai sees that they're shaving her hair off and she's literally screaming at everyone she's like but her husband's passed away like what is this girl's hair got to do with it why can she not see me and she yeah. does everything in her power to be able to see her friend and now don't get me wrong these stories might be um a little bit made up for, for the tv or dramatized yeah or yeah <laughs> um, it shows realistically her her nature and she was noticed by by the king and um taken as her daughter as his daughter-in-law so um she actually um reigned for for quite a while and one of the key things that she did was she used to organize gatherings for people across the city to make sure everyone's problems are heard and not only that she like even personally led armies into battle and actually, as a tribute, Indore's domestic airport and university are both named after her. So if you go oh, to wow. Indore, yeah, you'll know why. Um, she passed away at around the age of 70 um, after, sadly, her daughter um, was became a widow and she went into doing sati. Have you heard of that? So uh, I think so, yeah. Sounds it, familiar. Sadly, it's when back in the day, um, if your husband passed away, you would burn with the body. Oh, it's like you jump on the pirate. Whilst... Basically. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So she was going to do the same. However, her father-in-law stopped her and said, no, I won't let you do that. 
And, and I think the story that really comes through here is constantly, time and time again, Ahiliabai was supported by her father-in-law whenever she needed something, whenever she saw something that was logical, her father-in-law stepped in and said, yeah, that's right. Because a lot of times it was very much emotional, very much the religion says this and dictates this. But what she wanted to do was stand for people and, and bring logic into that. So she ruled... Um, very successfully and and was able to kind of and again even now so many temples and things are named after her that even now people are still remembering what she did back in the 18th century so real real um courage strength compassion that she showed she was a queen who changed the course of malva and her story realistically is one that we should recall more often it's sad that we didn't know about it until now but um prolific ruler the queen of malva ehilia by holger I mean, it's like, yeah. it's admirable, isn't it? Like, considering, um, A, the the time in which she was born, the, the century that she was born in, the circumstances in which surrounded her, her childhood and her growing up and what she was exposed to, um, and then going on and taking that and going on to, you know, rule. Um, yeah, I mean, it's admirable, uh, um, especially what... especially in that, that sort of era. Yeah, absolutely. And what's more, even more beautiful is, you know, when people um, often we've seen many cases where they've not had much and then they've gone to gain so much in terms of her. She came from a very small village and she gained so much in terms of royalty, but yet she never forgot her roots. Right. So she yeah. always yeah. led people and, and with the same compassion that she would if she was in that position. And I think that's where her power came. So it was both on that and her father-in-law's support, which otherwise in that century you wouldn't ne- you wouldn't even see your father you wouldn't show your face to your father-in-law and no. he supported her till the end so I think it was just wonderful I think that's that's such a nice such a lovely story and to see that she retained her empathy and how she interacted with those that um you know the people around her or the people in her kingdom or queendom um, you know, it's, it's really, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why not? Um, you know, it's just amazing to see. And, and I think it, you're absolutely right in terms of that era when women weren't really allowed to do a lot of things. You know, she was breaking down barriers and gender norms, which, yeah. it, which is amazing. Massively, massively. Well, I mean, I was primarily looking at women in the 20th century. And I have to be honest, this was so difficult for me because there are so many women that have made um, you know, strides in terms of fighting for women's rights. Um, and the three people that I picked over the course of this call are, are women that you may not have heard of. They're not, they might not be very well known, um, but, you know, they were women that weren't afraid to challenge the gender norms and they weren't, to, they didn't take no as an answer. And I think that will come across in some of the stories that I um, share. So the first woman I'm going to show, her name is Aruna Asaf Ali. Um, and she was actually a freedom fighter and um, played a big role in the Quit India movement um, when, the, when India was fighting for its independence from um, the British. Um, she's also known as a grand old lady of Indian independence for her role in which she played in that freedom struggle, which is, I mean, she's passed away now, but actually um, it just shows her importance in the role of actually um, in, the, in India becoming independent. Um, and actually, she was the first elected mayor of Delhi as well. So um, I'll give you a little bit of background about Aruna. Um, you know, she was 19 when she got married and she married someone called Asaf Ali. Um, but her parents didn't agree because one, he was Muslim and two, he was 23 years older than her. So in her parents' eyes, she was seen as dead. They're like, you're dead to me. Um, ah. So, yeah, so she was disowned completely from the family. Um, and 
what happened is because her husband aggressive barrister, she found herself and he he had associate he was associates with Gandhi and Nehru. So she found herself within that um uh freedom struggle fighting for what for rights. And um, two years after she got married, she actually ended up in jail. Um because of oh. what she was doing. Um and actually because of her popularity, the British authorities refused to give her bail. Um oh my God. That, yeah, so they refused to let her go. And what that did is actually um every other woman prisoner because there was something called the Gandhi Irwin Pact which basically all prisoners of um, the political prisoners that were kept were released and they didn't release her as part of that so all the women in the jail refused to leave um, until she was freed um, which caused obviously massive massive political outcry of course Um, and then Gandhi personally intervened to set her free um, in which she was then released Um, so with the Quit India movement I think um, in in um, it was the 8th of August and actually uh, Gandhi and Nehru were getting ready to um, start that movement. Uh, but what the British did is actually they decided that they wanted to preempt that and they arrested Gandhi and Nehru. And so there was no one to lead the movement. So what did Aruna do? She stepped in um, like a real soldier. And what she did is the next wow. day she defiantly unfurled the Indian flag or the flag of independence um, to start the commencement, commencement, commencement of of the in quick India movement. So she was a real um, I suppose, shaker in terms of getting that that movement started, which was really, really, really interesting. Um, but because of that, she obviously then had an arrest warrant put out for her. Um, so she had to go into <laughs> hiding um, for, and she was in hiding for about three or four years because um, until they, she would like Gandhi was like, come out, you know, um, she was really ill during this period. So he was like, look, you just, just take out and you know, you'll get the reward for the money that, you know, they put out for your arrest warrant and then you'll just have to do some time or whatever it is but she was like no I'm not coming out and actually she waited until that arrest warrant had been withdrawn for her to actually come out um into I suppose back into public which was in 1946 and then once India actually got its independence in 1947 what she went on to do was was to uh, social causes such as women's empowerment um, and workers movement so she actually helped find the National Federation of Indian Women as well so um, and she's got a lot of accolades as well, which I'll list. So she, she won the International Lenin Peace Prize, Jawaharlal Nehru Award. Um, she also won the second highest civilian honour, which is the Padma Vibhushan, and also the highest civilian award, Bharat Ratna, which was actually given to her a, a year after she died. So it's posthumous. Wow. But again, you can just see like how much she did in her lifespan and her work, it was dedicated to, you know, um, one, the independence movement, but also for other people in society that didn't have a privilege or, you know, there were laws or legislation in terms of that. And she was also um, the first elected mayor of Delhi as well. And I just want to share a quote that she said, um, which I think is, I think it's really important. So she said, he who is not courageous enough to take risks will accomplish nothing in life. And it just shows that, you know, if you step outside of your comfort zone, and you're willing to take those risks and fight for what you're passionate about, those things, you know, you can make a real difference. And I think that's what she did. So I was really inspired by her, to be fair. And I love the the fact that the women all took a stand to get her released as well. Like Solidarity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And to be such a trailblazer as well, you know, like to step in when uh, Gandhi and Nehru couldn't. Um, that takes a lot of guts, you know, and mm. a lot of courage. So, you know, to... to um especially she'd been arrested before for her sort of quote unquote defiance 
you know um right at that, that point yeah that like, takes who some cares point. Hey, well, yeah, I mean, she's like, she's, yeah, exactly. It's all for nothing, all for one and one for all, right? So just, just jump yeah. in and go for it kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, no, that's that's amazing. Yeah. I've never not heard of her before, no, actually, exactly. up until this point. So. I hadn't heard of it either. And I think this is why it's so important, because a lot of the freedom fighters um, of that time have been forgotten, the people that fought for the independence of India. And actually women like Aruna, who have made, like, massive differences, haven't been recognised. And I think this is why it was so good. That's mm. why I went for women that, maybe not as well known because we need to see the impact of you know it's, it's the everyday woman making an impact you don't have to be you know something special to make an impact you can just be you working or being you know working towards something that you're passionate about and trying to make changes that way and I think that's that's the best thing about this is she was just an everyday ordinary woman making changes for things that she wanted amazing yeah that's pretty pretty amazing it leads nicely into so i into my first lady i'm focused so my focus was on the 21st century um now this first young lady um is someone that is actually quite well known but her roots and her where she came from again a normal normal life nothing um out of the ordinary um so my first lady is malala um so she's 23 years old from mingora pakistan um and so growing up um her dad actually ran a chain of schools in her local region um in secret against the taliban while she was growing up the taliban had a quite a big stronghold over that area in pakistan and um were pretty much against uh, education overall but especially education for girls and um at it i think a mere age of probably 11 which in 2008 she actually gave her first public speech which was titled how dare the taliban take away my basic rights to education um at 11 you know at 11 you know and i think a lot of her inspiration you know came from her father because her father did a lot of humanitarian work as well um she was anonymous blogger for the bbc um so she wrote about her experiences and what she was going through um whilst under the threat of having her education um denied um, and actually, it was in 2009, 2009 that she began appearing on TV publicly to start advocating for, for female education. So merely 12 years old. Um, so a few years on in 2012, when she was 15, um, she, I, I guess, spoke out in front of a, a wider audience um, on behalf of girls and their right to education. And unfortunately, um, this made her a target. So while she was um, on a bus going home after an exam, she was shot alongside two other girls that were with her, um, which was ultimately an assassination attempt on her life to sort of um, take revenge for her um, speaking so publicly about education. Um, she was hit in the head, sort of along the left side of her eye, went sort of travelled through her neck and it was then lodged in her shoulder. Um, she was in a critical state for quite some time. Uh, she was tra- transported to Besh. Besh- Peshawar um, for her initial uh, uh, operation Um, as as she recovered from that she was then brought over to to the UK um, for the remainder of her treatment they actually had to cut a section of her skull open to allow the swelling to to, to grow outside of the skull before it came came back in again Um, I mean it's just absolutely traumatizing and then you'd think that you know okay this is going to knock knock someone down to the ground but you know literally um just nine months after her recovery she actually gave a speech at the united nations um at 16 years old 
um, urging world leaders to sort of re really look at their policies in regards to education and women's rights and start to, to change them for the better. Um, and this is kind of, you know, the kickstarting her becoming quite a prominent activist, um, especially for young women. Um, she's co-founded the Malala Fund. She also co-authored I Am Malala, this was in 2013. And the Malala Fund actually works to ensure that girls around the world have access to free, safe, quality education for 12 years. And she's focusing primarily on countries that are um, developing nations. So in South America's, uh, South Asia, um, rather because that's where the, the majority of girls are missing out on, on school. Um, in 2014, she was a, a co-recipient of a Nobel Peace Prize, aged just 17, um, so the youngest ever to, to be given a Nobel Peace Prize. And, you know, she's she's gone on con since then to continue to advocate across the world. We've seen her quite publicly um, speaking out about, you know, how important education is, that it's it's a right of every human being and shouldn't shouldn't be um, no one should be denied it. And just to put a, a little bit of fact out there, there's actually currently 130 million girls that are outside of school that should be in school right now. Crazy. Wow. That's sad as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's really sad. I mean, we're in the 21st century and there are young girls that are missing out on the basic, basic right of education. Um, so she's making moves, you know, she's making waves and I know she's going to continue to do that. Um, and I'm really excited to see what, you know, what more she does through her foundation, through her, um, her humanitarian work to sort of, you know, give education the importance that it needs to be given. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's such a good... Um, it would be so nice to see the way she develops and develops everyone else around her as well. I think she's such a powerful young woman. And she's so humble. Like every time I've seen her speak, she's she's incredibly humble, um, you know. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's just a, a role model for, for many, young, many young girls and for myself as well. I just um, love how, you know, what happened to her didn't deter her from going on to continue advocating for women's rights, you know, for... It, for a lot of people that could be very scary and you know she persevered despite that so I think that's amazing absolutely absolutely amazing um so I'm going to move back a couple of centuries but still sticking with <laughs> uh, another young lady uh so my second lady is her name is Anandi Gobal Joshi so you know I had to include that because of her surname. <laughs> of course, of course. But, uh, <laughs> but um more than her surname being Joshi she was actually the first female doctor in India so um, Anandi sadly she passed away at a tender age of just 21 um, just before her 22nd birthday but before that she accomplished so much and I'll give you a bit of background as to why and what she did so she was um, married when she was again just nine um, to a man actually again 20 years older than her and wow. she had her first child when she was 14. But unfortunately, her baby son um, passed away just 10 days later because of lack of medical care for women. And this one incident spurred her and, and got her uh, with a real keen interest in medicine. And what she wanted to do was help the many who could not help themselves. Um, and because of that, she put in her um, college application. Her husband, um, who, who was a postal clerk, encouraged her ambition completely stood behind her and helped her initially to learn how to read and write before she could do her application and, and go across to um to america so she then traveled across um to america 
she studied and became a doctor. So she actually wrote into um, the medical college of Pennsylvania, the Women's Medical College of Pennsylvania. And she wasn't qualified enough, but her key thing was that she wanted to go back to her poor suffering, the poor suffering um, women in her country and be able to help them. So they accepted her. Um, she studied a two-year diploma and she was also um, congratulated by Queen Victoria by, by what she did. She then took her journey back to India to be able to become a doctor. And sadly, on the way back, um, or when, when she got back, she was later diagnosed with tuberculosis, which ultimately caused her death. But oh, I think wow. she left such a legacy because she opened the gates to so many young Indian women who wanted to do more than just devote their life to household chores and saw that it was a possibility to be able to done, to actually be able to done, to be able to be done. And I think, you know what, this story is, is even more beautiful because actually after being married, so many Indian women think I can't do anything now. But her the support of her husband going across the world when at the time it was just nothing that it wasn't done, right? Um, no. Being able to do all of that and come back, um, it's just wonderful. And one of the quotes that she said was, um, be grateful for challenges because had there been no difficulties and no thorns in the way, then each man and woman would have to be in his primitive state and no progress made in civilization and mental culture. And I think, you know what, it's just going back that much, that long ago. She was born in 1865. She did an absolutely amazing job. And can you imagine the women that looked at her, around her, and probably looked up at her and went, wow, like, that's possible? Um, yeah, absolutely. Amazing. It's like, it's a real role, role model. But also, I guess you would have had a lot of people looking at her saying, like, what do you think you're doing as well? Well, like, absolutely. Who, who, you know, because um, it is, it wasn't, that's very uncommon for you know especially someone to get married so young uh to then um you know have the support of your partner because that wasn't it's becoming it's the norm now but it wasn't the norm then right back in the back in the 19th century so that's amazing i think you know it, it he there's there's um obviously she's she's you know, with that support she's she's done okay her life was very short-lived but she made like you said she made waves to yeah. that would go on and continued to go on beyond her beyond her life well her families and society said that they'd cut her off but her husband was like nope no matter what happens she's going so that wow. support spurred her on to be able to continue to keep going because actually at that point he could have gone oh no nah, society's saying no let's just listen to them yeah yeah um, he used to come to the pressure yeah. and yeah that's amazing yeah absolutely um, so moving forward Chen? yeah moving forward and in, back into the 19th century um, and a lady I want to talk about her name is Justice Anna Chandi um, and she was India's first female judge and the first woman in the country to become a high court judge um, and she was the second contested that she was the second woman in the world to become a high court judge after USA wow. Florence Allen um, who was appointed a judge in 1922 so um, very high accolades and very high position there. and I think she used her position for good and for the empowerment of you know women's rights etc and I'm going to talk about all of those so she was born in Kerala um, and actually Kerala's got quite a, a, a matriarchal um, type um, community I'm going to say community yeah. Um, and actually that's what she benefited from and um, when she went to study um, to get a law degree and actually she faced a lot of hostility um, and she was mocked by society by her male colleagues um, you know for her wanting to pursue a law degree um, and she actually became the first woman in Kerala to get that law degree so that's quite an, an achievement there already 
what she also did was she became the founder and editor of a, of a magazine called Srimati, um, which was a magazine that served as a platform for uh, the advancements of women's rights. So um, she questioned societal norms, um, uh, that, you know, some of the she questioned misogyny, uh, widow remarriage um, and women's freedom and actually and talked about the wow. wage discrimination of women who worked in farms. So she did a lot of work for women's empowerment. Um, she decided that she wanted to stand for elections as like a house representative, um, but she was faced with um, hostility, one, because she was a woman. So what they did is they actually launched a smear campaign against her um, and spread lots of rumours to reduce her credibility. And unfortunately, those worked and she lost. Um, she didn't win the election, but that she didn't give up. Um, she tried again the next year and actually she ended up winning this year. She won the seat for two years, uh, which was an achievement for her. Um, and I think this is really like her thoughts and her mind, like what she was thinking and and what like it's so far advanced from what the people around her in that time were thinking. Um, so I'll give you an example of what she said. There was someone um, that spoke out against, against uh, the, the government giving jobs to women. So a woman actually working government job. Uh, and she replied by saying, from the elaborate petition, it is clear that the plaintiff's immediate demand to ban all efforts by women to gain, gain employment on the grounds that they are a bunch of creatures created for domestic dinners of men and that their lives outside hallowed kitchen temples will harm familial happiness. And just to think that that's her type of thinking in the 1940s, um, which, is, which is not the norm. Um, and she was really advanced in terms of um, what she wanted to achieve for women. Um, you know, and because of her fight for this, it actually led to abolishing the law that prevented women from working these government jobs. So they were then able to go and actually work these government jobs. So she was really making um, big strides in terms of what women could do. Um, and paving the way. Yeah, she was really paving the way for women. And actually, you know, her career raised hopes for lots of other women to see that, you know, a woman in this position you know, that can also be achieved and actually give for all those little girls and the, the women that were just starting out that, you know, I can also do this. I don't have to stay at home. I don't have to be a housewife. I can start to make waves and, and, and you know, follow my passions, etc. So, um, you know, really, really inspirational woman, um, you know, and it's just, it's, I just found it so refreshing to see that, you know, you, you get women that have those thought processes and actually were ready um, despite, you know, being mocked by society, being mocked by, um, you know, men, that she was actually ready to embrace the role that she was given. And she didn't take her role as a judge lightly. She knew the power that she held and how, the importance um, of her own and how much difference she could make for women. And I think that's what she did with the role that she had is that she started paving the way for women to move forward, to move upwards. So, yeah. And it shows, like, her, her example just shows that any if you put your really put your mind to something anything is possible like you know you're just because there's these sort of um you know it hasn't been done before doesn't mean it can't be done now and so you know that i would can imagine you know for women around around her her time frame as well her while she was good sort of actively doing pursuing all of these things would have been like wow okay well she can do it and it's just the ripple effect isn't it like you see one person then you take some inspiration you go and do something else so maybe that's called the butterfly effect it might be the butterfly yeah. effect either way but it's it's um it's a positive impact it's just much broader reaching than than just yourself and what you do for the people within your immediate vicinity yeah. 
Um, I think it's even more important now with like, um, for women, and I say women, but like everyone that's come out of their original countries, like for example, we are um, kind of second generation here, um, in terms of us seeing role models of people that look like us, it's massive, absolutely massive. And I think women as as a collective in India hadn't seen that. They hadn't seen the ability for women to step out and do things. And it's amazing to see that with that authority, that level of authority of her um, of her of her role comes that responsibility and she was able to really step into that and not only bring herself up but kind of put the ladder down for other women to go this is how you get up as well so absolutely brilliant exactly. Exactly. very inspirational absolutely so moving forward again to the 21st century um this next young lady is one that probably many of us haven't heard of i certainly hadn't heard of her before i found her um so she's a, her name is Hima Das. Uh, she's a 21-year-old from Assam, India. She was born in a small village near the town of Ding and is the eldest of six. So what's her story? Uh, she um, was born, born in that small village. She was born into quite a poor family. Uh, both of the parents were rice farmers. There was um, never really enough money around. Um, but, you know, they made the best of what they could. And so she grew up with... Um, her younger siblings really enjoying playing football and actually wanted to pursue a career in women's football. But fortunately, that didn't quite work out. And and while she was at her high school, a PE teacher um, noticed her speed and made suggestions saying, you know, just try out for this athletics competition that's coming up. And by trying out for that competition, she actually won. And as a result of winning, um, she gained a lot of recognition by a number of different coaches and she was actually asked to join a camp away from home um and i guess you know through the years of training and um all the competitions and championships that she's taken part of she currently holds the indian national record in 400 meters with a timing of 50.79 seconds um that she clocked back in 2018 at the asian games um she became the first ever indian athlete not even indian woman indian athlete to win a gold medal in any format of a global global track event um, in the under-20 championships. Um, And so, you know, she was following her sort of success. She was also in her sort of passion and drive for for sport. She was um, appointed as UNICEF India's first youth ambassador in 2018. Um, And she she went on to move on in strides. Unfortunately, in 2019, she hit... um, was hit with a back injury and she was out for the first half of the year. She couldn't run. Um, but off, you know, she, that, she took that in a stride. She recovered and hit a new milestone um, by winning five consecutive gold medals in just 20 days. That's amazing. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, so, you know, it's sort of, she was not back, not off her feet literally um, and got back up and came back even stronger. Um, and to top this all off, actually, uh, very recently, she's actually been appointed as a deputy superintendent of the police in the Assam state. Um, so, you know, she's, she's going much broader and much further than just the realm of um, sports and, and athletics. Um, she's also moving into sort of more um, social work and, and, and local government work, which is great, you know, uh, for someone that's just 21 years old. Um, for me, this is quite exciting. I think it's very inspirational that coming from a background of, you know, she, she, she made a, in one of her articles, she made a comment that, you know, that her parents didn't have enough money for shoes. You know, when she was running for many years, she didn't have 
you know, because normally when you're sprinting, um, you have the shoes with the spikes underneath to give yeah. you the the grip. She was she had been training without those for many many years, and so you know, to despite that, she was still able to, you know, with her passion and her dedication and her commitment to um, reach the the heights that she she has so far. And I'm sure she'll continue. Um, she, she's still very very young, so she'll. Um, I'm I'm sure we'll, now that I know of her, I think I'll I'll be keeping an eye out for her if I see any if I see her name come up in the future. Absolutely. And you know what I, I'm, I'm loving about this episode is that as we're talking through all of the different sections, um, so for all of you listeners out there, we didn't know each other's people before we got on this call, just so we could uh, surprise each other almost. But what yeah. I'm starting to link <laughs> up is that the people, the work that was done by the women in like my kind of my category have been able to pave the way for people in Janney's category. And actually now we're really getting the benefits of what the women did so long ago even those small changes has led us to the change that we're at today so the ripples make a difference and I think even if you're if you think that you're not making a difference your actions no matter how small they are can make differences to generations to come and I think it's just massive so um amazing looking forward to hearing about her as well yeah keep my eye out yeah so um my last woman of the um kind of 19th 20th century because she lived into the 20th century so she was born in 1850 her name is Tarabai Shinde so um, Tarabai was a feminist activist who protested the patriarchy and caste discrimination so um, she really defied the inherent patriarchy found in like Hindu scriptures um, and her views actually are still controversial today. So <laughs> she really stepped <laughs> out. <laughs> um, her first published work was called The Stri Purush Tulana, which is in Marathi. And it means um, the comparison of women and men. In the book, she explores like the disparities between women and men. And it's actually regarded as one of the Indi- in India's first modern feminist texts. So a bit wow. of background on her. Yeah. <laughs> A bit of background on her. She was homeschooled by her father, um, whose name was Bapuji Harishinde. He was actually a radical and a head clerk um, at the office of, and in the office of Deputy Commission Commissioner of Revenues. So he taught her Marathi, Sanskrit, and English. So she loved to read. Um, she looked into kind of classical and modern, modern literature, and it really set her apart from the women of that time. She married at a young age, but she said um, that she wasn't really interested in married life. She didn't have any kids. And actually, it's made me laugh. She was one of the very first people um, to have something called a gorjamai, which you girls will know what that is. And that <laughs> oh, <means yeah>. <laughs> when your husband comes and lives with you <laughs> instead of you going to them. Um, and she basically set her whole life out in making sure that she was making a difference with um, women and actually the way women were treated in society. Um, a specific incident that fueled her um, was actually in Surat when an upper class widow was sentenced to death for having an abortion. And it, she just did, she didn't find it acceptable whatsoever. And she took a stand and she literally did everything that she could to be able to help women defend like honor killings, defending people that are trying to be killed due to like stuff like abortion. Anything that, wow. yeah, at the time, I mean, now it's so normal for us for people to get abortions, but at the time it wasn't, right? So yeah. she really took a stand. And I think one of the things that um, I read, and I'll read out to you, um, this is a bit of a extract from her book. It just makes you, kind of gives you a glimpse into her thinking. So she said, um, let me ask you something, gods. You're supposed to be omnipotent and freely accessible to all. You are said to be completely impartial. What does that mean? 
that you have never been known to be partial? But wasn't it you that created both men and women? Then why, ha- why did you grant happiness only to men and brand women with nothing but agony? Your will was done, but poor women had had to suffer it down for the ages. And I read that and I thought, oh, <laughs> you know what? Actually, that's so powerful, though, yeah. the, the way that she's, oh, wow. And more than that, you know what? She probably saw, like, we were talking about how boy, the boys and girls episode, right? We were just talking about the little things that cause like, yeah. the day-to-day life a little bit of a stir. But she lived in an era when there were massive differences. And I think the things that she did, along with other women of that era, helped to pave the way for women that generally came in your era. And I think it's just great to see that they were so headstrong about what they wanted to do and fought for whatever was important to them which was actually more to do with other people than themselves, right? This was more than just her being a woman. It was how can we take a stand for all women? And that makes us so much more powerful when we do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the, the, the common theme of all the women that you've, you've shared is, and even Jenny from the ones you've shared so far as well, is that it's selfless. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, is for the greater good rather than for, you know, just what's going to benefit me, which is, you know, very, very blatant to see in all the women that we've spoken about so far. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I just think it's amazing how she dedicated her life to fight for women's rights. And actually, you know, she had a courage of mine, which I think is quite funny. But also, um, <laughs> uh, you know, she started making paving the way for women to have that option. You know, it's not it's not easy leaving your parents home. Um, so uh, kudos to her. Um, the next woman I'm going to talk about, her name is Captain Brem Mathur. Um, and she was actually known for being the first female commercial pilot in India. Um, and the winner of the National Air Race in 1949. And actually, she only had at this point when she entered the competition, uh, just a, a, a you know, couple hundred hours of flying experience. And actually, she defeated highly experienced male instructors, instructors in, in, in the race, which I think is amazing. Um, and just to give you a bit of background on her, of five siblings, and actually she lost when she was six months old, um, and how she became inspired to become a pilot. So her... One of her brothers was um, a flight a flying instructor. Another one of her brothers was working in the war and was selling or was delivering old aircraft um, to different places from the war. And uh, one, of the per- uh, one of the people they hired to help with that was called Captain Atal. And what he did is um, he took her on a flight trying to scare her. But actually what she found is that she absolutely loved it and that she wanted to become a pilot. And I think it's really important to note here when, when she started her... Um, training for, for a pilot license um, that in the 1940s most women were not allowed to venture outside their home or if they did they had someone with them um, and actually you know she got her pilot license and when she went to apply for jobs she applied to eight different airlines um, but they all rejected her because she was a woman um, but she kept going she didn't give up and then finally she got a job at Deccan Airways who appointed her as a co-pilot but only for six months and without pay so she was just there to support the pilot um, and well, she wasn't paid. And when they interviewed her, they were asking her lots of technical questions and they asked her um, how she would manage um, with the men during night halts. And she actually responded to them by saying, you won't regret hiring me. Um, <laughs> so completely just <laughs> yes. missing that, which I Love think it. is amazing. Um, but actually, what you know, once she finished her six months, she obviously wanted to become a pilot, but Deccan Airways actually said no. Um, because that they said that if the if the 
uh, people that were flying on the planes found out that she was a woman, they would run away. Um, so she had to, she decided to leave um, and actually then became a private jet pilot for uh, someone called G.D. Birla. Um, and then actually in 1953, she joined um, Indian Airlines, or otherwise known to us as Air India. Um, and actually was, um, okay. this is when they brought eight different um, domestic airlines and made one big international um, airline, making, in, making India the first country to hire a female pilot in their International Air Transport Association. Um, and actually she worked there until she retired. But it just goes to show that actually, um, you know, you can't, don't take no for an answer. If someone says no to you, try it and try it again. And if that's what she did. I think that's what's so inspirational is that she was rejected eight times, but yet she got back up every single time and persevered and she got what she wanted. She got her dream job um, to become a female pilot. And I think that's amazing. Uh, honestly, kudos to her because the work that must have gone into that and imagine the feeling knowing that you yeah. were the first one to pave the way. Even like now when we see like Kamala Harris, for example, like her position and and everything that she stands for is just like it inspires so many so even back in that time it must have inspired so many around her which is again led and paved the way so uh amazing no i know i think think it's amazing and i think you know back then a lot of women didn't have confidence in their abilities because again they'd never seen it done so i think what she did is that she she made people realize women realize that actually if you believe in yourself no one can come in the way of achieving your goals um and that you know we all need to have a little bit more faith in ourselves absolutely i think it's sort of you know even you know you 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 fall back however many times you get back up again because you know especially if it's something that you care so much about that you you know you want to do then um failure is just another way of and is this another lesson right you said okay that's one way of not doing it so i'm going to go back and approach this again and i'm going to go and do this again that resilience that comes through from that from from her example is is again very admirable because it is very easy to just to just give up um after a couple of failures and so to to try eight to fail eight times and still go back for the ninth i mean honestly hats off to her that's uh, that's very impressive All right. So to um, wrap wrap up again on the 21st century. So um, this young girl is actually um, probably one of my favorites in terms of when I was researching, uh, I guess I'm slightly biased. Um, Her name is uh, Gitanjali Rao. She's a 15 year old girl from Colorado, US. So um, her love for um, science began at the age of four when she was gifted a a science kit from her uncle and this kind of spurred, spurred her interest and so when she was a little bit older about 10 years old um she heard about something that was called the flint uh, water crisis so to give a background on that during 2014 and 2019 um drinking water in the city of flint in michigan became uh, contaminated with lead um this was sort of exposed over a hundred thousand people to lead levels that were far too far too high and so she immediately became interested in ways of how she should she could um measure the amount of lead in water and she then developed a device called tethys um which can send uh water quality information via bluetooth and um collaborated with a research scientist at 3M. And for anyone that knows 3M, I mean they're a massive, massive research facility in the US. So um that's where it kind of 
that's a kind of one of one of her accolades and i'll go on to list a few more of hers and just just to remind you guys this girl is 15 years old so um <laughs> she is a three times wow. TEDx speaker um she has developed a diagnostic tool called epion uh which allows for early detection of prescription opioid opioid addiction wow she has developed an an app called kindly that uses uh, artificial intelligence to detect cyberbullying at an early age uh, for, for young kids using social media. Um, and in 2020, she became the first person to receive Time Magazine's Kid of the Year. So she was on the front cover of Time Magazine. Yes, amazing. At the age of 15. Um, honestly, this girl is just so inspirational to me. She's 15 years old. She's already achieved so much and I'm genuinely can't wait to see what else she uncovers and and, and builds and creates uh, in the years to come um and to add to all of this uh she's actually she actually is a pianist as well so a little funny story behind this is that um when she was about three uh she must have been must have been unwell and uh she asked her mom you know what can i do to feel better and her mom said play the piano <laughs> and from that age onwards, she, you know, she played the piano and I guess with just as much love and passion as she put into science um, and app development, she put the same into playing the piano. And so she's also a pianist. Um, so for me, I like just like just thinking about her and just the, what kind of, the, you know, what she must be like. I mean, I, I would love to meet her and if, I, if I could. Um, but honestly, mm. just so inspirational to me. I think the um, best thing here is that you can see the impact of nurture and on uh, you know young girls and actually how that can um, inspire them to reach new heights and I think that's so important that we need to develop that um, you know within girls about reaching for their potential and doing whatever um, makes them whatever they're passionate about and actually giving them the tools to do that because too often what you know we think back look back in history women weren't given those tools which is why they were fighting for women's rights and I think now that there is more freedom I mean we haven't you know we haven't got equality in all domains but again it's about giving young girls that voice um and and empowering them from a young age to actually move forward and achieve things and you know be their full self which i i, I think our parents have done a smashing job so um yeah they should be really proud of themselves and i think you know what it's um i read this quote on on instagram the other day i do this a lot don't i clearly um but it said basically when they talk when you talk to parents and you say oh you must be so proud of your kids actually you should really say you know um you, you, you should be so proud of yourself bringing up a girl like that and i think what i would love to do is to have a conversation with her parents to find out you know what what were their thought processes bringing up a such a strong young because obviously at four years old when your daughter starts to get a real keen interest in science like, how did they take that? I think it's it would be an amazing conversation to find out what their journey was as well, just as much as hers. But um, no, amazing, amazing young woman. And I um, funny you say that you saw a quote on Instagram. I actually saw a quote on LinkedIn. Someone shared a post where they said, um, rather than saying to your child that I'm proud of you, to actually say you must be so proud of yourself, mm. because what that does is it instills intrinsic motivation, right? That you, they're not they're not waiting for somebody else to be proud of them. They can be proud of their yeah. own achievements. As they grow up. So again, yeah. that seeing that today, I was like, um, you know, just uh, a real. Um, I was like, oh, okay, 
all right, I'll take that one. I'll, I'll knock that one down for when I have kids in the future. Or even um, myself. Or even young kids. Well, we're, we've got so many young kids in our family, actually, you know. Yeah. So actually, there's no reason to, yeah, not put it into practice now because, um, you know, f- speaking of playing a piano, one of our young, one of my youngest cousins, actually, she's she's six or seven maybe now. Um, she sent my dad a, a birthday video last month Um uh, playing the piano you know that she's learning during lockdown and so yeah I think you know it's um she should be proud of herself just as much as her parents are proud of her and then we're all proud of it too so yeah. there's yeah age is just a number to, to anyone listening um as you can tell here you know we've talked about women from all eras and uh yeah, yeah age um, is just uh, a I number. know I think the best thing about this episode is that we've all left or will leave feeling inspired about the we can actively make for women's rights um, and the things that we can start to do and if even if it is just small things um, and so I just want to end the episode on you know if there's any um, if any of this resonated with you if there are any stories you want to share um, you know if if you, you know if there is any other inspirational women you want us to know about please get in touch with us um, and you know we'd love to hear from you so thank you so much for listening to our episode we really hope you enjoyed it Um, and we hope you see you on our next episode.